Welcome to Kindred, hosted by me, Kate, and my sister, Jen. In this podcast, we explore our human relationship to the natural world. In connecting to this planet, we also connect to understanding, compassion, and empathy. How can we see ourselves not as separate or above animals in nature, but a critical and integrated part of an active ecosystem? Through conversations with animal advocates, scientists, conservationists, and many others, we look to inspire a new awareness of how and why we connect to animals and nature in order to repair and restore our relationship to the natural world. Hello and welcome to Kindred, where we blah, blah, blah you for five-ish minutes and then offer you content from exceptional humans on the planet. In our humble opinion, expert opinions, I'd say, right? <laughs> right. I mean, Absolutely. I think we are experts at recognizing smart, inspiring humans that dedicate their lives to helping an aspect of this planet. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, today is no exception. And today we have a little bit of a different format, um, but I'll get to that in a second. Today we are going to be speaking with veterinarian Dr. Kelly Slattery about her work helping our pets cross the rainbow bridge. Yes. Um, I'm not sure we need to read a disclaimer, but you know, this episode we are going to be discussing losing our sweet fur babies and euthanasia and grief. So I just wanted to give you all a heads up about that. Um, might not be the right time to listen today. And also I think our conversation with Kelly was really balanced and not depressing. Yeah. yeah 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 i don't i i think if you're just feeling super sensitive and you need to not cry thinking about your pets that you've lost maybe today's not the day but i don't think it was tr- i don't think it's trigger warning um really so yeah. that's kind of sensitive yeah it's right. just no agreed but you know topic it, yeah yes it's good to mention it um yeah. and it's a conversation i've been wanting to have for a long time because i really you know it's about loss, which is something we all experience and speaks directly, I think, to the deep connection we have to animals and how much they mean to our lives. And it's that one experience we are all guaranteed to have if you love any being on this planet. So unless uh, you have a parrot who's, you know, two years old and you're 80, and then you might not have to be alive that's the only way i was thinking or, about when you said that. or a, or a, tor- a turtle a big big turtle a tortoise yep tortoise. a giant tortoise i have tortoise. a friend who her friend left her big tortoise to her in her will and so now she has this big tortoise and you know we'll see who outlives who so wow absolutely right that's the way to go people yeah. it's we, not we, we chose the wrong the wrong animal. a parrot or a giant tortoise actually um so a bit are about our guest today uh kelly is a small animal veterinarian and attended college and vet school at the university of pennsylvania our local and has practiced in delaware county pennsylvania for the past 10 years she is now the owner of a house call practice called home and shore vet and serves the philadelphia and new jersey shore areas and her website is homeandshorevet.com. We aren't actually going to do a takeaway today because our conversation 
feels like enough. And Jen and I, you know, you and I shared more than we usually do. Um, and again, this is something many of us have experienced. And so it's a lot more personal, but I will be reading a little something at the end of the episode. Um, but format's a bit different, but we really so appreciated this conversation with Kelly. She was just really open and honest and, um, I feel like has such a unique perspective on losing a pet and the grief process because of what she does. So thanks for listening and we will see you next time and lots of love from both of us. Kelly, welcome to Kindred and thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Could you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Hi, my name is Dr. Kelly Slattery. Um, I am a small animal veterinarian and the owner of my own house call practice called Home and Shore Vet. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation um, and talking about a pretty tough subject. Um, and even though even though we're talking about grief and loss in context to domestic animals today and specifically those that live in our homes, This, of course, includes all forms of grief, which can come from many different experiences. So we really appreciate your perspective and conversation today. So thanks so much. Um, So I just wanted to start out by talking about what you do and how you got started in this line, this specific line of veterinary work. Sure. So um, I worked in a general small animal hospital for 10 years after I graduated vet school. Um, And I, while I worked there, um, I learned a lot and I always felt like I had a a special connection to um, euthanasia appointments in particular. Um, I could really connect with what clients were going through, losing their pets. I had lost a number of my own pets and this idea had developed over the years to start my own house call business. Mm. And um, I, I really enjoy having more time, the luxury of, of having more time with clients and their pets, really getting to know them, the slower pace. Um, so my practice is a mix of house calls for urgent care, euthanasia and wellness. Hmm. Yeah. And you know, I think it's it's a unique job in some ways because not all vets do this. And I, I feel like from the outside, the work you do could be super intense and emotional and could could take a toll. So what draws you to this specifically then? And that that's definitely something I've heard over the years from clients. Yeah. You know, they often will say, you know, I don't, I don't know how you do this. It must be such a hard part or it must be so sad to do this often. Um, I also hear, I, I always wanted to be a vet, but I could never do this part of the job. So I can relate, you know, and understand why they're saying that. Um, But to me, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, that we, we hope the, the life with our pet is a very long one, but a difficult thing to think about the fact that our pet is going to pass away, but it's a guarantee. 
yeah. that that will happen at some point. So to me, um, you know, it feels like a, a gift almost to be able to to offer a peaceful passing for both the pet and and their people that love them so much. So it really isn't the hardest part of my job for me. Um, it's an honor to be there. Um, I tried to make it an experience where I can hear stories about the pet's life. Um, they walk with us through so many different aspects of our life over the years. Um, yeah. I've heard so many great stories of, of pets uh, being there for clients while they experience, you know, uh, loss, like, uh, or going through cancer or divorce. And yeah, um, so it's, it's really an honor to be there um, in that experience. And, you know, it's interesting too, thinking about how, because as a client of, of yours, and literally, I, right. I can see how, you know, from, from this side, um, it can seem, cause we are in that moment of, of loss and, um, the intensity and the emotion and you're not necessarily there. And I think that's so, that must be such a critical part that you can stay objective in some ways, obviously caring. And yet you're there not to experience their, the client's grief. You're there to to hold that space where you can help process this, you know, this, this, this person or family or pet through, through a moment that you need, you, you, you can stay, you staying steady is, um, is really important. I can see how that that's a different perspective from, you know, my side to your side type thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think um, when I perform euthanasia in the hospital setting, we always, you know, we could still relate to what clients were going through. It was just limited, you know, more limited in, in time and space. You're trying to make something peaceful, as peaceful as possible, possible, but away from home, um, where you also have other pets and people and smells and noises. So offering it at home where everybody's more comfortable, it, it does make it a difficult thing easier I think um because you know you you do get to say goodbye where your pet has always been for you and and where they're most comfortable so um you know I agree I want to switch gears to that a bit and talk about the families of these animals that you help right so in such an intimate experience like we're talking about you know you're seeing people at a really raw and vulnerable moment right so how, so how do you navigate this space knowing it's this potent moment that will certainly begin a grief process for, for the people? Right. So there's clients that um, have been through this multiple times. There's clients that have never been through this or maybe they've been through it and, and they had a traumatic experience. So I recognize that when I first start to communicate with them. Um, and I, so regardless of their experience, I still try to talk them through what will happen. So they have that understanding of, of objectively what will happen that, you know, we're making this decision on the behalf of their pet who can't make the decision on their own. What if it's, you know, their illness has progressed to a point or their age has taken them to a point where the kindest thing is to make this 
decision on their behalf. And then from there explain, um, you know, this is a medical procedure that, that it involves passing them through deeper levels of sedation and then anesthesia until they receive enough medication to pass away. So um, I hope that having the objective you know, process helps them. I think there's some fear around the, the procedure, especially yeah. if they've never been through it before. Yeah. Death is, is scary. And, right. um, you know, the, the fact is I'm, I'm, you know, doing this house call and the end result will be that their pet passes away. So, um, I, you know, I, I try to go in with a calm state of mind. And like I said, I've been there with my own pets multiple times. Um, and I think I mentioned, um, to Kate before, you know, in the past that my own, um, <clears throat> my first dog as a child, when I was in high school, she passed naturally on her own from cancer and she really struggled her last night. And, um, you know, the, to be able to, to offer this service and this procedure where we can allow them to pass peacefully is, is, um, the purpose, you know, of arranging this visit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, that's exactly what our experience with our dog Pip was that she also um, had cancer. And the fact that she didn't have to, to die on her own time or the cancer's time, I'll say, was such a comfort knowing because even the last two days were rough. And, you know, it, it happened so quickly but I know that she would have held on for a few more days and it would have been brutal. So I can totally, I, I, I can relate to that completely. And, you know, like what you were saying too is so important that, you know, you can remind people like, this is the kindness that you can, the, the final act of kindness, you can offer this, this sweet being that like you were talking about before that has, have, has been with you through thick and thin through good times and bad times in a way that not many other beings can be there for us in that yeah. same way. Um, yeah. Right. And Kate and I have talked about that many times because my personal philosophy about it is that it is our job to do, make the hard decision to know if it's like, Oh, well, you know, I hear people all the time saying, but they really still like eating, but you know, every other part of their life seems pretty, miserable and like for me it feels like a huge responsibility to be brave enough yeah to make the decision too because that's hard and you know i'm sure you've talked to people i've talked to people for sure who say oh, i feel like i waited a little too long and they have regret about that too because and they mm -hmm. will admit it's because it's scary it's like what if it's the wrong decision what if they would have had one more good day but i don't know if you have to sort of counsel people to sort of trust their instinct and go with that or if that's not really part of what you do but that's a tricky part too yeah. um, I've had a dog who just slowly 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 declined and nobody could ever find anything that was wrong with her necessarily and her anxiety grew and you know you remember with Kaya Kate like lots of nights where it was like having a baby she would be up and agitated and I just had to decide when is the right time and it's really hard to know what's right yeah, yeah, and balancing the quality of life to yeah. what what is the balance? You know, when it is hard, it is hard. 
Do you talk to people about that, Kelly, or do you not? Yes, yes, that is definitely a big part of of my job. I get that question often, how will I know when it is time? Um, And the answer I really think is is different depending on the pet, depending on the person. Uh, To me, I don't think it, I really don't think there is a perfect time. Like I think there's a, there's often in this appropriate window of time, which could be, you know, we really don't want it to be hours, you know, where we have, you know, need to make this decision. Like there's more of an appropriate, you know, window in terms of days where we, we see these changes where they're not themselves, they're more withdrawn or they're eating less, their breathing changes, just not the pet that we've known over the years. Um, and I think that uh, some people, you know, they really, there's the hope that they'll wake up one day and, and they'll already be gone and they won't have to make that decision because it's such a huge decision to make. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately with pets, they, it's very uncommon that they pass naturally without a struggle. So right. that's why we do this. So I try to have clients see, you know, we, we have to make a decision as, as a team, it can't, I don't want it to be all them or, or certainly not all me. Cause I'm not the one that's there every day with their pet, but um, do try to help them assess their quality of life. And I do also point out like what you said, that feeling, the feeling that you waited too long, which I went through myself um, is, is a really hard feeling. And that I think carries on with you for, maybe the rest of your life, you know, for some people. So, and I think with each pet that you go through, um, the loss of the pet that you learn from that. So I think that that's something else that, you know, I see that clients that have, have lost pets over the years can tend to plan, um, like they're a little bit more aware because they have that experience, which is just a natural thing that happens. So, Right. Um, that's part of the process of, of having pets over the years too. So yeah. yeah, it really depends on the situation, but um, I definitely do my best to, to help the clients figure out, um, you know, when, when it's time. Yeah. And you do, you, you're very good at your job. Um, Thank you. So you know, what are, what are your thoughts on, on grief? Really? I mean, you've seen, I think cause you've seen a wide range of reactions from people, but I feel like our society gives pretty limited space for all the things that come, can come from losing a beloved animal because they aren't a human being, but grief is still grief. And so what have you learned about grief from your experience witnessing so much loss? Um, I, I definitely think in our society, it's, it is something that, um, you know, death and grief maybe is discussed just on a superficial level, but is, is a scary, seems like a scary thing to talk about in a deeper sense, especially with pets, because I think that, um, you know, especially those that, that don't have pets, it's it's hard to relate to someone that can be so upset about the loss of their pet. And I think some yeah. pet owners are surprised by how how sad they feel and how much grief they feel, or even sometimes embarrassed or ashamed of it, that they feel right. like they can't maybe relate to other people in their life mm-hmm. or they need to hide it. But to me, 
you know, the pets, I mean, they, they offer so much to us that they're there for us throughout so much, you know, they don't ask anything of us. They don't need much from us, but they're, they're always there and a constant. So when they pass, it's just so final and, and they're gone. You know, we don't see them every day. We we're so used to out of the corner of our eye, you know, they're there yeah, right. Are you waiting for them to be at the door when you walk in. So to me, of course, it's going to hurt so bad when that's, that's, um, you know, it's something that can make me emotional, just, you know, talking about. Um, so I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of people that grieve more for their pets than people in their life. And that's okay for all of the reasons I just mentioned. Um, that's right. That, um, I think for some people it, it helps you learn how to deal with loss of people in your life. Um, so I think that, you know, I see tributes on, on Facebook when people lose their pets and it always, you know, I feel sad for them, but it also makes me smile because there's so many pictures and memories. And I think that's a great way for people to, you know, make a tribute and, and to, to grieve, you know, to honor their pet. Absolutely. So uh, I think it's something, you know, that's why we're doing this now to talk about this, that it's okay yeah. uh, to be sad. You know, I think that our society also puts a lot of pressure on us in general to be happy like being sad is wrong. Yeah. And when I, we lost our lab last year and I remember just feeling such an emptiness, especially the first few days we were, we left for the Poconos right after he passed. And I just remember staring out the window, the whole drive, just feeling empty and sad. Yeah. But you know, I look, you know, looking back, I knew it was because he meant so much to me. Like the sadness was directly related to how much I cared about him and loved him. So that's right. Yeah. And well, yeah. And, and we don't have like ritual around death for animals. Like for people, we have ritual and, you know, not to get off topic, which it really isn't, but just, we have just recently had a funeral for our dad and it was after a few months after he passed because he lived out of town and it was complicated. And I was surprised at how healing that was to have the ritual. Maybe not nine months after it felt like there was a, okay, that feels right. And like, you know, other than putting pictures and writing things on Facebook about your pet and what they meant to you, it's hard because there's not a container for it. You know, right. we're just supposed to, like you said, well, you know, just be happy you had them for 13 years. You're so lucky. That's not the point. It's like, how do you memorialize and, and pay tribute to these amazing beings who've given us so much? It's weird that there's not a container for that. And I think that's part of that's hard, too, is that we're just supposed to get on with it. And it's 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 a huge it's weird and i think it probably would be weird to have a pet funeral but i wonder if that will evolve some sort of i don't know anyway well, i think that's part of the hard the difficulty of it yeah and i think some of that kind of stuff is starting because i think people really are they're they're people are allowing themselves to have to have to have that um awareness of the depth of the connection and to to grieve that and i think but you're right jen like we don't do, there's a lot of exactly what you're saying. Like 
well, you were lucky to have them for that long. Well, I had Marcus and, and Rue, my cats, for 18 years, and I think I missed them more because I had them so long. Exactly. They were, what's that, a third? Someone do the math, a third of my life, kind of. Right. Yeah, almost like, two decades, right. Yeah, yeah like I, I still, and Kelly, what you were saying before too, like it reminded me of how I, I sometimes can, st I still hear Marcus and he's was, he died last February. Like, I feel like I still hear him in the house sometimes. And, um, and I definitely, you know, you see them out of their, you, the corner of your eye or you hear them for a while after they're gone. It's not everybody, not every pet did that for me. And not, not everyone experiences that, but it's not just like, oh, well, it was just a cat or, well, it was just a dog. It's like, these are beings in our lives every moment of the day. Um, right. So, yeah. Both of what you were just saying is so true. I think um, one one group of clients that I that I really feel for are the my senior clients. So yeah. that's one that 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 is oh when it's hard for me to keep it together sometimes because we both we they know and I know that it probably will be their last pet oh you know, ever, and and that I, I I do really worry about them because I think for them having a lot of them live alone. And yeah. that pet gives their life purpose. And then right. when they're gone, um, you know, I, I, I worry, you know, I, I think that it reminds them of their own mortality, you know, and yeah. Um, and just the loneliness piece is huge, right. you know, mm -hmm. and you know, yeah. all those, all yeah. those studies that they've done about how people live longer, like the, I've read studies about seniors and the quality of their life when they have a pet to take mm -hmm. care of because it gives them a purpose in their life when a lot of them don't really feel like they have a purpose anymore. Right. Yeah. That's huge. That is huge. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think they also struggle at the same time for their, with their feelings of, of how sad they are. You know, I'll, I'll get cards from them sometimes after thanking me, but also just kind of confessing almost to how sad they are and how much they miss them and that they don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's hard, you know? Well, maybe that's the offshoot business I need to start is taking blue around to the elderly who just lost their animals, you know, I mean, just to give them like that something to pat and to love and to feel just that even that that very um, the physical contact, you know, but that is weird. I never thought about that. It, there will come a time in, in our lives that we'll realize this is the last shot we get at having a pet and that's gulp that makes me feel a lot of feelings <laughs> yeah i know yeah, boy, really. That really that landed in a very different way when yeah. you said that kelly i yeah. hadn't quite that hadn't hit me quite in that way one of the hardest things for me about losing pets is the impact on those left behind my other pets like uh and i get really emotional thinking about that because we had the first dog we lost was um, our 13 year old chocolate lab. And she was the dog that was raised with the kids. And, um, but we had a little rescue Yorkie who was her best friend. And mm -hmm. when she died, he didn't really want to be here anymore. Uh, he didn't, he started living up in our room. He didn't want to come down. We had these annoying two Bernese mountain dog puppies that were so annoying to him. And, um, and it just, his, I felt like his heart broke when she died and i always felt so guilty that i couldn't make that better for him but that whole thing about the guilt and the grief that i it's almost been harder for me to to process what my an, other animals have to go through sometimes so i don't know such a good point 
really right. what your thoughts on that are. But I, I do think, I mean, I think that's, those are all examples of, I, I feel that pets grieve too. I think that the, just like what we said about us, how, how these pets are such a constant in our lives that to our other pets, they are too. And um, it's something that, you know, there can be varying responses. I mean, some, some of them won't eat for days and days and, and like you said, won't come out of rooms or sleep more. And whereas others, sometimes they don't, they come out of their shell or they, right. you know, it's the opposite end. Right. So you never know. Um, and that is a question I get often. Well, what about my other pet? Um, and that, you know, I think it starts when our grieving starts too. I, if, if the other pet is in the house, I, I do try to have them, you know, smell, smell the pet that has passed after they're gone, or they could be there if they're calm um, for the whole process. And I try to have clients maintain a, as much of a routine for the pet that's left behind as possible. Um, I think the guilt is hard, you know, for us as that we, you know, we, we see what they're doing and the emotions come out in us. Uh, and I think um, you're doing the best that you can, you know, with, with your situation. So, but I understand, you know, you feel so bad for them. Um, so it's, it's a really hard thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I, when we lost our lab last year, we had gotten a puppy a few months prior. So it helped the middle dog because she wasn't the only dog after that point. And, and we, not everybody can have multiple pets, but I, I do think it helps um, some of them, if, if there's another pet there or, and it helps us, you know, to have another pet. You know, it made me think too, of what you were saying, Jen, and what you're saying, Kelly, is that can we then grieve with the pets left behind and maybe they following their lead almost like some dogs maybe don't notice that much, but some dogs like blue, it took him about three months to start to shift to, he was definitely grieving. There was no question. And his, his, his grief sort of pulled my focus away from my own grief and I could focus on him and sort of help him process. But I think going through his process also supported my process and allowing me, well, he's still grieving. So I'm allowed to still be grieving too. Right. Um, which I hadn't thought of that sort of perspective before. Um, and, you know, just sort of thinking again about the grief process. Um, Kat, our producer, had a really critical insight. And that is, she was saying, when you stay in the process of grief and don't push it down or away, that's a way you stay connected to the loved one that you've lost. And your sadness and grief can also leave space for the beauty of that connection that you had with them. And that's what some of this is about, right? Like deep connection and what we learn from those connections and the joy and love we experience when they're with us. And it offers, and it, it can offer a lot of beauty and healing. I think that grief process is part of healing when we stay in the flow of that very organic and natural experience. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I do think there's some, there's some piece to this that feels like 
it's just not something we're good culturally at doing, which is grieving. <laughs> um, and and just uh, consciously uh, being actively participating in the death process is scary. I think, like you said a while ago, like I, I was actually thinking about um, all the pets that I've put down and our family vet is a, a beautiful, lovely um, woman who, when, uh, when she does the, the euthanasia at her office, like she, she has a little metal, metal that's a heart and she puts it on the animal as they're lying there and then she cracks the window open. And the first time she did this with our, with our lab, she opened the window and she said, now go to God. And I just started <laughs> sobbing. And I think uh, it just, it just was like, it made me realize like this process is like a midwifing process. I was saying to my sister, like, you're like, you're like the flip side midwife that you're mm -hmm. ushering this precious being out. It nice. felt so, it felt so, um, yeah, like not everyone can do that, but if you can do that, boy, our, our society really, I think is bad at that. And I think that culturally, we're probably one of the worst. I think other cultures are a little bit better. It's just really scary for us to yeah. the death part. Yeah. But yeah. And I think that, you know, I've seen different reactions, um, you know, <clears throat> sadness, of course. Sometimes I see um, anger. Uh, sometimes I don't see any outward reaction. So I, I think that... Uh, over the years just working with people in general for so many years you, you when I go into these visits I, I I kind of try to get a feel of the energy um because I want to I don't want to force anything on them like a certain type of energy if that makes sense I want to yeah. kind of flow with their energy because yeah. we all yeah grieve differently and yeah. I, I mean I never if if uh, I, I never take offense or judge with anybody's outward displays because we all deal with this differently. And I'm there, you know, I have a job to do when I'm there. I do my best to support the person in their reaction. And, um, you know, and I think that after the fact, when I go is, is when I worry for them, you know, how are they gonna do, you know, how, especially if they haven't gone through it before. So right. I hope they have a support system and, and that they uh, find a way to, to flow with the grief and, and to therefore honor their pet and, and their relationship with them. Kelly, what you are for people is just incredible and kind and safe. I can't tell you what a comfort it was knowing that I didn't have to take Pip to the hospital, which you know she equated to a lot of stress and depression. I see so much beauty and compassion in what you offer our animal beings. Um, it's the ultimate kindness, like you said, you know, we that we can offer them and you make that process even better for them by allowing them and us to stay in our most comfortable space. So thank you for what you do and what you offer. And it's um, quite a quite a job you do and it's been really nice to hear your perspective and that it sounds like you can leave us and and in in a good space yourself um and I hope that you take care of yourself as well <laughs> thank you so much
I, I, you know, it was so nice meeting you and Pip. Um, and I'm so glad that you asked me to do this because we both, we discussed how important of a conversation it is that, um, you know, dealing with this with our pets and, and in general in our lives, that this is something that is a part of being human, that it's an experience we will all go through with pets or people. So um, I'm, I'm thankful I could be here to discuss it. And thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. And, and if people um, want to contact you, can you tell us your website and how we might get a hold of you? Sure. Yes. So the website is homeandshorevet.com. Um, I can also be reached by phone or text. Um, the number is 484-800-1428. Um, also emails is Dr. Kelly, D-R-K-E-L-L-Y at homeandshorevet.com. Right. Well, that's fantastic. Um, I just wanted to get that in here now, just so people can have that, you know, they can write that down for them when they need to. Well, please be uh, well, take care of yourself. And thank you for taking care of us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. This is something I wrote for all of our sweet companion animals, grieving the loss of pets. There are many forms of grief and many reasons why and how we experience grief. This conversation and episode was inspired by the grief we have experienced in our own lives and specifically those experiences tied to the loss of our dogs and cats. When my dog Pip died, the grief I experienced was acute. Pip, like so many of our pets, embodied innocence, vulnerability, sweetness, joy, and a spirit searching for safety and understanding. But if I had to pick one adjective to describe baby girl, it would be earnest. She was diagnosed with an acute, little known, and ultimately aggressive cancer in dogs. We were lucky that she did so well for the few months she was being treated at home, but the last week of her life, the cancer suddenly got the better of her and it took her down hard. I'm grateful for the little she suffered and it crushed me to see her, the most sweet and earnest soul, be taken out in that way. She was only five. Grief can be a quiet and solo experience, and yet we all go through it. And there are lots of ways to do it and lots of perspectives on how to experience it. And still, there are no rules. There are no right and wrong ways. But there are opinions. Society and culture has opinions. Unspoken rules or norms or acceptable public displays and unacceptable feelings in context to why one is grieving. A few weeks after Pip died, I found myself using language like, I'm still crying over this, and I'm not ready to get rid of her bowl yet. Imagine, three whole weeks. If she had been my human baby girl, I wouldn't use that language and zero people would expect me to. But what if she felt like my baby girl? When the vets from Penn called to say they were pretty sure she had leukemia, something imploded in me, and it sure felt like they were telling me one of my people was in real trouble. Because one of my people, a living being that was deeply intimate to my moment to moment, to my home, to my heart, was suddenly not okay. 
I've had a few dogs and cats die in my life, and they all have their story. And each one was a very different process of experiencing loss and absence, and they all took a little piece of my heart. And I did different things after they died. Sometimes I kept their blanket unwashed for a long time. For another, their food bowl lingered. Collars still hang on their respective hooks. A favorite toy still remains. A feather that fell in my path at the precise moment I thought of them is added to a collection. My point here is that the weird things we do or think or feel are not in the least odd. And yet many people feel they aren't supposed to keep that thing or feel this way when it comes to the animals that are a part of our families and homes. I saw a meme on Instagram that was a bunch of squiggles and it was titled, this is the path of grief or something to that effect. It was great and so true. It's a twisty, turny up and down. It's inconvenient and awkward and it's uncomfortable for us and for others. But when we open to it, and are held by it, and as the waves of emotion well up in our chests, grace catches us and gently lands us back on our feet, and we're able to breathe again. For me, grace is the balance to grief and the respite. It's like the universal hand that helps us lay down and helps us get back up. I'm so grateful to the people like Dr. Kelly Slattery who create a calm experience and gently walk us into the inevitable space of grief. When Kelly arrived at our house, Pip with all her last energy sat up and gave her one sweet kiss on her cheek. She immediately knew she was a safe and kind person. And as she transitioned from life to death, surrounded by me and Dave and Blue, Kelly patiently waited and stopped time for us until we were able to say goodbye. To the few of you who have not experienced this, I hope this might help when you do. And just please know that however and whenever you do, that you are totally understood by lots and lots of us. Sending love and grace to you all, whatever part of the journey you might be on. This episode is dedicated to the vets and nurses that create a safe and quiet place for us and our animals to transition while they stop time for us, like Dr. Kelly, who helped with Pip, like Dr. Ariel Masanko, who helped us with Leela, and the ER docs at Penn, who we didn't know from Adam, but made sure we felt cared for with Rue and Marcus, and Dr. Barr, and the doctors at VSAC, and Dr. Brad with a lap of love, who have been there for my sister, Jen, for a long time. And most of all, to the animals that have blessed our lives, we are so grateful for you. We learned so much from you, and we are forever better because of you. These are the sweet babies Jen and I still miss today. Tartan, Fiji, Lucy, Asia, Abby, Henry, Kiko, Kaya, Leela, Mona, Rue, Marcus, and Pip. Thank you for being here today. Lots of love.
Kindred is hosted by me and my sister Jen, produced by Kat Gaddy and myself, sound production and editing by Dan Cooper, original music by Ellie Grace, and our Kindred artwork was created by Lindsay Coffin. Please follow, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to contact us through our website at kindredpodcast.co, where you can also find links to our socials, Patreon page, and show notes.